Back on another uh, episode of the Dr. Zero Trust Show, I've got David Motti. David, if you wouldn't mind giving uh, sort of the 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you do and why folks should listen. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Chase, and, and thanks for uh, you know to the listeners as well for joining us today. Uh, my name is David Motti. I'm based out of Ottawa, Canada, where it's freezing cold <laughs> here today. A little too early. Um, minus 15 Celsius. Oh, uh, hell no. Yeah, I don't want to do the conversion. <laughs> um, but that aside, uh, I'm, I'm currently the Chief Strategy Officer CISO Advisor for Sectigo. Uh, but prior to that, I was a VP Analyst at Gartner covering identity, uh, data security, blockchain security, whole whole raft of, of, uh, of technologies there. But I guess my, my claim to fame, right, Chase, you've got the zero trust would be uh, working on things and bringing them to market, like bring your own identity, uh, decentralized identity, um, machine identity management. Those are some of the core areas that I really spent a lot of time on. And, and I, I guess have a little feather in my cap on that. But um, yeah, and aside from that, just working with some other folks in, in an advisory capacity, uh, folks like Crypto Foray doing post-quantum crypto, which is going to start to become more of an issue uh, and others in the identity space. So so that's a little bit about me, um, right, where I definitely keep busy nowadays so <laughs> yeah so we have a, a Gartner and a Forrester guy on the on the line I think we're supposed to like argue or something I don't know <laughs> that's true right we, we've got the, the the magic quadrant in the wave right yeah the two that don't cross streams I think is what they would say right so I, I uh I wanted to pick your brain and um I think there's been a lot of really interesting stuff going on but one of the ones that popped up um was like we're seeing layoffs in cyber and yep, yep. I, I mean, your coverage at Gartner and those sort of big macro trends, other than the the economy, which is obviously in free fall. I mean, I don't think it's a smart thing to be laying off people in cyber. What is your opinion on that whole space? Well, so I agree with you 100 uh, percent. I think a lot of organizations or many, uh, you know, there's some that maybe in the banking sector and, and whatever where they've got you know, tactical teams and strategic teams, uh, but others I think were understaffed even pre-pandemic. And we all know, I mean, even if you look at the, uh, you know, the anti-phishing working group, right? I mean, they're saying every single quarter is the worst quarter, right? And so just using that as one little metric to say, look, if, if you're being attacked by just phishing, there's other types of attacks. And if you are cutting those teams, it's going to be hard for you to react. And, and I think, Chase, you know, for me, going back almost two decades and being in this space, I always, whenever I would engage with a client, I always, you know, I first, no matter what their size is, I, I look at them and go, okay, do you have enough people that can do incident response, <clears throat> aka your tactical team, you know, putting up fires on a daily basis, sort of that might be. And then do you have investments in people process and technology that are more strategic? And if you have the blend of both, you can at least have, have a team of people looking ahead to say, let's anticipate what might you know, come along the line, whether it's reacting to compliance, whether it's dealing with cyber insurance, or it's anticipating new types of threats. But then your tactical team, right? They're, they're going to have their heads down every day, dealing with all different kinds of issues. And so it's really tough, just from a human perspective, to do both. Now, going back to these layoffs, I think that's a very, very challenging situation for these organizations to cut these roles. I understand that they have to make the bottom line work out, but 
you know, if, if they cut too deeply, this could be a, an even bigger problem. So, you know what, Chase, we might, we might see uh, some incidents come out of this, uh, whether it might be employees going out doing malicious things or in organizations being hit and not having an opportunity to really uh, uh, respond to it uh, properly. Is, is is this, you think, um, a good sort of time for people to finally move towards the service provider side of this thing? Because, I mean, in my opinion, there's so many folks that, number one, they say they can't get talent. Okay, fine. But now we're seeing layoffs of this talent that they said they needed. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, it's like this is uh, this is one of the first real lines in the sand of I should probably outsource a lot of this stuff. Um, Cause yep. it's not, it is a cost center, but it's not a cost center that you can afford to just call a cost center and be done with it. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. You, you, you can't just walk away from it and go cold Turkey. You, you need to have a, a bridge. Look, I, actually at, at Gartner, you know, we ran global events. So we ran events, security events and other it events, right? Cause Gartner's big all around the world. And I used to run a round table uh, in the middle East and it was, cybersecurity talent and concerns. And especially in the Middle East, they had a lot of, you know, a lot of attacks on them uh, coming from various nation states, uh, as well as other, you know, um, uh, types of attackers, but they always had the problem of talent, right? And so, so looking at the concerns, even going way beyond uh, before the pandemic, you know, their concerns were, we just can't, especially areas like Saudi Arabia, how can we get people here, right? We don't have enough talent in say Saudi Arabia um, to staff these things. And they were getting hit hard. There were a lot of Iran based attacks on the energy sector and all this, but using that as an interesting generic, uh, you know, learning ground that was chase one of the areas where they're like, Hey, can we use more, uh, of these services? Can we use more cloud-based operations? It's like, yes, you can. Um, I think though, it's not a panacea. You still have to have human beings running the programs, understanding everything and where it goes. And there's some things that you just can't give to a service provider at the moment, right? There might be some things in your, um, in your security program that just can't be outsourced. But I think what I would first say, and in my recommendation, especially my role at Sectigo and even as an analyst, it's, it's like, look, number one, it's, it's all about openness and interoperability. Why? Because number one, you want to make sure that all of your products and services aren't using proprietary protocols and tech. And that's important because, you know, if you look at the cloud providers, they're using more and more standards based stuff. Right. And that will help you, you know, bring in new products or even bring in services. And ideally, if they're all speaking the same languages, aka protocols and standards and being open and having APIs, then you can start to connect the dots. Uh, That helps enable consolidation. Um, Gartner actually published more recently. Uh, their CISO uh, survey. And in the CISO survey, they said, look, 75% of CISOs are looking to consolidate their security stack. So I I see these chases not isolated. So you can look at operations, but you also have, you know, this insane amount of security products and bloat that security analysts are trying to manage on a day-to-day basis. And if you can shrink that down, that will give you more time back and then you can look at what things you can outsource, which will give you even more time back and then help you run that kind of lean, mean team, uh, <laughs> if you will. But I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts with that consolidation side? Are you Have you heard any of this uh, from, from your circles? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the big move 
strategy side seems like there's finally a, a reckoning in the market around I can't buy everything all the time and I'm not going to be able to be that concept of like perfect defense has pretty much sailed. So now folks are really starting to focus on prioritization and uh, where they have tech that can actually solve the issue. And I think, I think, you know, trend wise that that becomes the trend. Uh, and then there will be this culling of cyber sort of security uh, technology in the space. I mean, I think the last count I saw was in the ZT world alone, when I was putting the market map together, there was like 247 vendors. It's like, wow. I mean, there's yeah. not 247 yeah. problems here. You know, it's, um, it, there's, there's definitely bloat. I think bloat's probably the most adequate word I've heard somebody use in a long time. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's that like, you know, Ant Allen and myself saw this when we were doing the market guide for user authentication, even years ago, Chase, um, and in the authentication space, it's look, it, it, it when when money was really flowing especially from the vcpe community if you have a really good you know passwordless product or whatever and you like everyone has a personal experience with it so it's a pretty pretty straightforward pitch to bring and then you say look everyone has passwords and you can solve this but there's so many of these solutions and alan and i were tracking in user authentication there was over 200 vendors and this was 2017. <laughs> Right. And, and so it's like, there's no way that that everyone's going to use all of this stuff. So that's why I think even if you are in an organization where you've got to use, maybe you have Okta on one side, you've got, you know, uh, Duo or you've got Transmit or Trusona, you've got a bunch of these. Right. So, so, so the common layer could be that that openness and interoperability, because you might say, well, look, we've got a division in Europe that needs to use this this stack and we've got a division in the US that needs to use this stack. We're not going to take them out, at least for the foreseeable future, but bring them together. That's why I made that recommendation of the openness and interoperability. We just we just need that. But I think the other the other thing, and I've met with close to two hundred CISOs this year, um, and you know there was one roundtable I was hosting, and it was it was actually really interesting just for me. And I think I think Trace, you'll find this interesting. So we talked about vendor consolidation, and bloat did come up. They did talk about you know I get emails about ZT every single week and what I should be doing or what I'm not doing. Um, and, and even I heard the term reverse zero trust uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, so that, that, that one blew me away. I was like, I, I really have to think about this. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Reverse zero. Okay. All right. Reverse zero trust. Um, so yeah, that was interesting, but what it was interesting to see the debate between a number of CISOs. Uh, so there was a CISO from healthcare got into debate with the CISO that was in the defense sector. And they were talking about vendor consolidation. The CISO that was in healthcare was like, I'm just going to go all Microsoft because you know what? It's easy for my team and it will allow them to focus on the day to day. Right. And then this other uh, a person in defense was like, you can't do that. Like I'm going best of breed. I'm trying to, you know, uh, do defense in depth. Remember that old term, Chase? Defense in depth. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's like each layer, try to get the, the best player there is. But then on the same on the same token, the same uh, CISO also said, well, you know, just because something is in the leaders quadrant with, with Gartner or the, the top of the wave and with Forrester, you know, we're not we don't want to spend money on those anymore. It's too much. So it was a really interesting conversation. You've got organizations that have to, I think, look at themselves and say, you know what, maybe we can't deploy a CrowdStrike, but we could use something that fits fits the bill and gives us the exact features we need 
Um, and then we can, we can push that aside, maybe have someone run it for us, right? You really have to look in the mirror and determine what, what works for you. But anyway, I, I threw a lot out there, um, but, you know, I just wanted to see if anything caught your, your uh, ear on that. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I, it kind of sticks in my craw when people say that they use best of breed because, um, I mean, you and I both wrote, uh, analyst reports, right? So we know that there's a, a methodology that goes into that and we both would probably say there's value in looking at those reports, but yeah. it, it was never intended for somebody to look at that and go, what's top, right. I got to have that. And then they go buy it. And then they go, well, why doesn't this work with everything else like that? It's a it's a guide, man. This is research, and you gotta, you know. <laughs> yep. If that's the way you do everything in your life, you probably have a bunch of crap that's really expensive and probably doesn't work very well all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, that, um, that's that's true. And I mean, I think if you want to drive, uh, uh, I mean, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on the Forester side to get behind the curtain view, but behind the curtain a little bit with Gartner. I mean, that's what always drive uh, Gartner analysts crazy. Is is you know, hey, David, I want to talk to you today about, you know, just the access management vendors that are in the top right. And you're like, hold, hold on, time out, time out. Let's forget about the vendors for a moment. I want to talk about you and what your requirements are. <laughs> what once, is your problem? What are you trying to solve for? Exactly. And once we know what that is, then I can make a better recommendation as to who might fit. And you might find that vendors in the you know, the bottom right are better for you or the top left are better for you. Um, or in some cases, even ones that are in niche might work better for you. And 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 the other thing too, Chase, I mean, again, because I, I can obviously speak uh, to, to the Gartner stuff, I would always say, you know, one, focus on yourself first, understand what your requirements are, right? And two, look at the criteria of that analyst report. Because if you look, they might say, hey, we didn't look at anything, uh, any technology that didn't support under 2000 users. Well, if you're a, you know, an 800 person company and you're looking at the Gartner Magic Quadrant for access management or fill in the blank, and you didn't look at that criteria, you're like, okay, you're, you're picking someone who's in the top right, but that might only be good for a 5,000 plus company, right? That might have all these features and functions and it might require someone to uh, really understand the technology in and out and be fully trained on it. So these are the things that you're absolutely right. I mean, it's like, you got to look at the fine print, but before you even look at the fine print, look at yourself first. <laughs> yeah, no, no, know the problem you're trying to solve. I, I, that's a really good point too, is I would, I would have a lot of people that would read a report that I had written and then they would ask me questions about it. And I was always going, well, did you, did you read all the notes and did you understand the methodology and the data that was put into this? Or did you just see a headline and you went and now we're talking about the, the 30 word intro that I wrote rather than the rest of this whole thing. Like that's, that's not how research is supposed to be used. No, it, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, we, we do, we do have, we can't separate it from ourselves. We have our lizard brains, right? <laughs> we do have visceral reactions, you know, uh, the, the wave, the hype cycles and the magic quadrants, like those are very powerful images, right? And, and, and pictures, you know, they say pictures worth a thousand words. So when you see that quadrant, you automatically, there's a visceral reaction. There's a lizard brain reaction. You go, I need to just look at those. And I mean, out of 6,000 plus engagements I had over the years at Gartner, there were a lot where I had to do a lot of, uh, 
describing of that situation. Of course, I would do it constructively, Chase. I would keep <laughs> people down. That was just my style. You always get more bees with honey. Uh, I, I would walk them through it and say, let's, can we just take this research and put it aside? And I really want to focus on you first. You know, show me what you need. And then I can direct you to, to, to uh, someone who might work in it. And I might say, hey, you know what? You're already with uh, Microsoft today. They do what you're saying. They do, they do it well. Right? There's no need for you to carve out all this extra money to bring something else in when you get it with E3 or you get it with E5. Um, or I might say, hey, you're gone. You're, you're now well past the, uh, the realm of what this particular vendor can do. You need to move away from them and bring someone else in. But without knowing the situation first, I mean, it sounds so basic, right? But without knowing the situation first, people like you and me can't make as subject matter experts, we can't make those recommendations for that that next step forward. But um, but yeah, that's going to continue. I don't think that will go away. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, I mean, there's there's value in the research for sure. So speaking of um, the research side and writing side, I mean, you've recently published a pretty interesting book, uh, "The Art of Selling Cybersecurity." Is why is it an art? I guess is the first question. Yeah, that's 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 good. Well, no, thanks for for recognizing that. Um, it's nice to do a little shameless plug, I guess. Uh, well, so so first, uh, you know, just I think why is there an art? Uh, it's not something that is just very mechanical, right? Where it's like if you follow these three things, you will always be able to sell successfully to a CISO, right? The art is is that you know, look, you've got to know your customer, and your customer is going to be in a different situation every time. Almost like when we talked about these analyst reports, you know, you can't have one report that's just going to drive everyone in one direction. You have to know your client, know where they are at in, in, their, in their process, understand their pains and understand where they need to be. And that's going to be different for almost every situation. Sure, there's, there's common threads, which we cover in, in the book, uh, but there is an element, especially with strategic CISOs, where there's relationship building. You have to understand and build that trust. And once there's that trust, right, then you want to put yourself in the position of being uh, an, an advisor in that situation. So, so there's a little bit of art to that versus just following a, a simple recipe uh, each time. You know, so so that's kind of the, the spirit. And and I should say the the background of the book is that look, there's tons of sales books out there, right? And there's a lot of really good ones that I would say complement this. You know, one, we wanted to focus it in on cybersecurity because Chase, you and I both know cybersecurity is an area where, I mean, people can use scare tactics and that's just not cool. Um, they can try and strong arm you into things, all, all kinds of things. So, so <clears throat> we wanted to at least recognize that because that's different than other types of sales, right? Being like, hey, buy this lead generation platform. Uh, you could try and scare someone and be like, hey, Chase, are you meeting your metrics? Eh, okay versus uh, one of my CISO friends, and he posted this on LinkedIn, he got an email of saying, hey, Chase, you don't want to be another victim like what happened at Uber, do you? Like th That was what this, this marketing sales campaign uh, was trying to use as a hook. And so in the book, we're like, no, no, scare tactics don't work, right? And it, they can actually have a negative effect on you and your selling. So what we did with the book, which makes it different is, you know, one, focusing on cybersecurity and the nuances thereof. And then two, we brought in a lot of CISOs and practitioners to peer review the book. And, and some of them actually wrote chapters. 
And the reason why we did that chase is because we're like, this is not necessarily coming from a salesperson teaching you how to sell, but this is coming from your, your client who you want to target and what they say works for them and also what doesn't work for them. So that was the, the spirit and essence of the book. And, and I know I won't be on your question there, but <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's, I think that that's um, super critical to understanding about this whole piece. Cause you're, you're not just pulling sales things and sort of regurgitating sales mantra, but that, that piece of cybersecurity is a, a niche sort of market where people are probably highly technical, but also extremely skeptical and to try and shove, you know, content down their throat and then say, buy my product typically doesn't work. So does that mean in your opinion that we should just writ large move away from the FUD tactic in sales and marketing, or should that be part of the awareness side of it, I guess? Well, so I think it'd be part of the awareness side. And I think, look, I, I, I think Chase, we have to do a bit of both, right? We, we want to have things grounded on actual fact and, and everything else. And actually one of the chapters that I wrote was on defining security technologies like across the whole like you know gateway security cloud access security brokers and all this i also wrote a section and i think i, I gave kudos to, to forrester but uh i need to call you out on it as well because i mentioned zero trust and i talk about it and say just be careful understand what it is but be careful with and i call out a lot of the fud marketing right uh things like reverse zero trust i didn't call in the book but <laughs> yeah. reverse zero trust man yeah <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't know, but I, I, I love. I am genuinely interested. I will spend time this week looking up what the hell reverse zero trust is. Yeah, you should look at what it is. It's. Uh, I don't understand it myself. That's like love, a triple negative somehow. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Triple negative. Yeah, it, I feel like this is a a Seinfeld curb your enthusiasm yeah. type thing. If they were into cybersecurity, <laughs> that would be enough. You know, this double, triple negative, quadruple negative, perhaps. Um, but but no, I mean, I think I think the. So the book, I think, is good not only for sales folks to read, but also for CISOs and security folks to read so that they, you know, look, I think it's it's very, in my opinion, I think it's important for everyone to at least understand sales, because when you are being sold a security product and you've gone through this book, you know, you at least in, in the section I wrote, you'll understand at least some of those hot things that might uh, come up. And in the book, I said, look, as of writing of the book, there's things like zero trust, identity first security, right? I listed all these things out that, you know, Forrester or Gartner or others have coined, but just to give you some kind of guide to say that, just be wary that these terms come up. So to, back to your question, I mean, I think, look, we are, uh, I think it was, was it Scott Galloway, he's, he's a professor at uh, uh, New York uh, University and he does um, uh, business stuff and he does a lot of talks, really good talks. And he said, you know, humans were like T-Rexes, again, the lizard brain thing. We respond to movement and something that's exciting and then something like nice, meaty and juicy, right? A T-Rex will chase that down, right? But if you watch Jurassic Park, like, don't move, it can't see you. Unfortunately, Chase, the tech providers do have to do some noisy things to get attention, okay? We all get it. Just don't lie, please. Like, just don't lie. If you're going to do something, you know, say you actually do it. If you're zero trust that vendor should look up what zero trust means. And, and if it's zero trust network access, look at the NIST definition. Do they follow that? These are the things within the NIST architecture that we cover from zero trust. For example, Sectigo, Sectigo is a PKI 
uh, CA, right? So we offer public private certs and some certificate management. Well, we're not a zero trust vendor per se. We can't do the whole architecture, but we can offer the PKI component of it. Sure. So, yeah. You know what I mean? So we can say we're a zero trust vendor that focuses on digital certificates and PKI. That's it. We're being truthful. But I know with you covering the 200 plus vendors and zero truck being a big, exciting thing. Uh, by the way, I have to call it. I love some of your posts that you had when you were at RSA. Uh, some of the funny things that you saw. But I, unfortunately, I think we're going to, again, continue to see more of it. We just want to make sure that security pros are aware. And at the end of the day, I'll just say one, this one last thing. That the sales reps within those organizations that might be doing that aggressive marketing you know, you can always tell clients and it, I think it brings this, their, their concerns down to say, look, I know we market this, but this is truly what we do. That's like a breath of fresh air. Anyway, I'll stop there. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing that um, emerged from me in my notes when I was going through it was really, uh, I think I read it repeatedly where there was this spot about keeping it simple and being very uh, real about what you do and why there's that value. Cause I think we don't, we don't get a lot of that. Like you said, I like the T-Rex thing as far as it moves and it's it's large enough that I can eat it. Then I go yeah. after that thing and I'll, I'll wreck a building if I have to to get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, ultimately, on the other side of that equation, because you and I both talk with so many CISOs, they're just looking for the, you know, the the elevator thing of what does this do um, and where would I use it? And other than that, all the other stuff is they'll figure that out later. I mean, that's that's kind of my opinion. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I, I mean, at the end of the day too, it's, it's, you know, the, 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 the best uh, sales reps I've ever worked with, they, you know, they focus on building relationships. They also disqualify too, but they don't like, they disqualify also on behalf of their customers and saying, you know, they might call, call them up and say, Hey, Chase, uh, we're doing zero trust. We know you sell zero trust product, blah, blah. And you go, okay, listen, David, you know, we worked in the past and I, I understand your requirements. We're not, we're actually not a good fit for you. Right. At least right now, maybe we're, we're too, we might require your maturity to be a little bit higher. You know, I, I, some of the best sales reps obviously have a nice constructed way of saying that like, Hey, you're not ready or we're not ready for you, but let's just keep, you know, keep moving forward because I'm your trusted advisor. The last thing I want to do uh, is, is give you something that, that doesn't, doesn't work. The other piece, Chase, too, as well, that we talk a little bit about in the book um, and, and um, on the other podcast I do with Simon Moffat on This Week in Identity. And by the way, we definitely want to get you on that as well, um, you know, is focusing on business outcomes, right? So, okay, you, you deploy this particular solution, but what is that enabling? So, again, effective salespeople will not only just say, Hey, I'm going to sell you this and it's going to solve these pains. It's all about connecting it to a higher order issue so that the CISO can come in and say, okay, it's going to handle us. Uh, it'll let us deal with ransomware today, but it'll also future proof us for, I don't know, I'm making this up right now, but to illustrate the point, it will also uh, future proof us for maybe these regulations that are coming down the line, or it, 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 it puts us in a better position to get cyber insurance because we're going to be going through that in four months as we're going through our next round. It's going to allow us to check these off. So good sales reps are very highly aware and attuned to the situation of their of their CISO customers, and they can anticipate these and and they can have a bigger conversation than oh I just sell you this little widget. It's like my widget fits here, 
but I can talk about the whole, the whole, uh, the whole pie and where we fit in it and why you need us to make this work. That's, that's what we're trying to get the message out to everyone. And last piece is to have the CISOs and their security teams also recognize that as well. So if the vendor's not doing that, they can say, what does this do for me as in terms of getting me closer to getting cyber insurance? What does this do for me in protecting me against know, ransomware attacks or something? Right. So CISOs should ask the, the customers beyond like, hey, we need the, these operating systems and this performance. Okay, that you got to do but make sure that they stick to the business outcomes as well. Mm. Yeah, and I, um, I, I, the last one I wanted to kind of pick your brain on, on that whole thing with was the, the use of the, the marketing side in this uh, to get to the CISOs, because it seems like there's so much spray and pray and just maybe you get lucky, whereas a lot of what you were talking about was relationships being targeted, making, you know, spending, five hours sharpening your ax before you ever go to the tree. Uh, and that, that seems to be um, undervalued, I think in the space, right? We, you know, anything, like you said, zero trust, everybody sees ZT, they go run on it. They stick a ZT sticker on their, whatever they show up at RSA and they're zero trusty. And then they go, you know, wonder why, well, why is, yeah. yeah. Like, yep. why is this not taking off? And it's like, cause you're, you're just hoping that you're throwing something out there in front of them. Well, I mean, you, you and I both know, Chase, again, if we put our analyst hats on, you know, almost every vendor under the sun wants to create their own category, right? Yeah. <laughs> and look, there's, there's, you know, rarely uh, times where that works, right? And where, where vendors will say, hey, you know, we see an opportunity to create a new market. And, you know, I mean, I think I, I will say like kudos to Venify for doing that with machine identity management. And then that has enabled ATLIS and Sectigo and, you know, Key Factor and AppUX and many others in that space, right? Um, that makes sense. But, you know, I mean, again, if we go back to the bloat of security products, you know, you get people who are in ZT, and I'm sure you see this, that want to differentiate from other ZT. And that's where we might hear things like reverse zero trust. Sorry, I have to say it again. And I would have to say sorry because I'm Canadian. We say sorry a lot. So, oh, well, yeah, right. We, it wouldn't be a Canadian conversation without sorry at least once. But, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. But, you know, that is an example of, of, of when it gets too busy and there's this flurry, everyone tries to create a new category. Again, I don't, I, I, it's kind of a double edged sword. I don't want vendors and tech providers to stop. I don't want them to stop doing that, but I want them to also be cognizant and have a reality check from time to time to say, okay we've only introduced one small thing. It's not a, it's a feature. It's not a category creator here. You know? There you go. I love it. Yeah. Feature, yeah. not a category. Exactly. Exactly. You should put that. We should make a, a do a meme on that or something. There you go. Yeah. It's a feature. <laughs> it is not a new, you have not changed the market with your one blinky light on your, you know? Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, super. I, I think, um, geez, we covered a lot of ground. I, I think the last one I really was going to ask was, um, you know, if you put your analyst hat back on, where do you see the market going in the course of the next, let's say by, I don't want to go too far. Let's say 2025. I mean, what do you think is going to be the dominant or the, the, you know, the real, uh, motivator in the space around cyber? Uh, well, I, I mean, look, number one, this cybersecurity is directly tied to digital transformation, right? And so what I mean by that, because it can be seen as a fluffy term, 
as more and more organizations digitalize their operations, right, from hospitals uh, to moving away from paper, having a lot of their OT, you know, ultrasound machines, all these things on the network, uh, and more devices just coming online, um, that's all digital now, right? You have, uh, uh, you know, data is also a big thing, right? Like data, as they say, is the new oil. And so you look at someone like Amazon, even though they're laying some folks off, although they hired a ton of people before the pandemic. So when you actually look at things, it's a small number, but I won't get into that. But the point is, is that for them, it's all data. And actually, I think, I think during the pandemic or just before the pandemic, Microsoft hired their first chief data officer, Gartner hired a chief data officer and many others. And so when I look at that, it means that there's more investment in that digital world. Now, as that continues to grow, right, whether it goes Web3, Metaverse, it doesn't really matter. We know that we're not turning this thing around. We're going to further digitalize everything. As that increases more and we put more of our jewels in the digital realm, we need to protect them. And we need to make sure that we have security around them. Um, I can't remember who said it, but there was a really good thing I saw. It was as I was scrolling through LinkedIn, someone said, you know, API APIs are now directly connected to like company revenue, right? You open up APIs and you're a travel company, you can have uh, your United Airlines, you open that up, people can book flights, right? Uh, all, all kinds of things. So it means you need, but but on the same pitch, they said you need to protect those APIs. You can't just, you can't just open them up. You have to open them, be open, but all, all obviously kind of take a zero trust mindset, right? Like trust you know you have to verify you verify that trust enable the trust so i i think as we as we go into 2025 chase uh to your question i think the market's going to continue to grow we're we're going through a weird situation right now where i think in in the economy it's it's going to be tough for certain regions of the world uh i think we are very fortunate in north america to be energy independent to be dependent on our independent sorry um we could do everything here, right? For the most part, we're still seeing some messiness in the supply chains. Once I think this, this system starts to stabilize a little bit, which I think is going to take the better part of next year, I think we'll come out of this and we're going to, we're going to continue to see a nice uh, healthy market. I think for, for cybersecurity right now, there's, there's a lot of this weirdness going on, but personally, I've seen some folks lose their jobs uh, in the last few months, but get hired like right away. So it's yeah. going to be going to be interesting uh, with that. I still see a healthy market, but last thing I'll say there, Chase, uh, with my analyst hat on, is I I do think we're going to see the beginning of that stack consolidation from a CISO perspective, and then that's going to have ramifications for the amount of vendors that are out there. I think we'll see consolidation. We'll see some of these, like certainly you look at ZT, you know, many of those will just fizzle out. They'll get acquired. Uh, there'll be fire sales, whatever. I think there'll be that. I think there'll be this kind of stabilization of the vendors. I don't think, though, I'm not going to make a bold comment like what, um, what was his name? Art at RSA made uh, over 10 years ago. Uh, maybe you were there. I remember this. He, went, he was the old CEO of RSA at the RSA conference. And he said, in the next few years, there's only going to be three vendors in security. And it was like EMC, Microsoft, and, and RSA. or it was something. pretty bold. It was yeah. bold. And like... Boy, oh boy, have we gone complete opposite from that. <laughs> yeah, know? that, yeah, that uh, we've gone 10, 10x of that side of it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think we'll see some leveling out, but I, 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 I don't think we're going to see, you know, three vendors rule them all. 
Uh, I do think we're going to see still a healthy landscape for startups, but I think we might see more of a cleanup of some of the the crazy areas, if you will. Yeah, I think the I think there's going to be a culling of those that are not keeping up with the uh, the needs in the market. I think identity consolidates. I think data security, which still sucks, becomes much more much more necessary, and people start actually investing in it. So I, I that's kind of you know my, if I put my uh, tinfoil hat on and pontificate, that's what I see too. I, I agree with you. Data is one of those areas where. I mean, if, if you look, uh, I haven't looked at the latest one, but in the hype cycle uh, for, for data security, data classification was like, I think, just a little to the right of the peak of inflated expectations. And, and, and many clients would see that and go, wait, we've been doing classification for over a decade. It's like, yeah, the technology is OK, but it's actually a lot of the practice and how mm -hmm. it's applied that sucks, right? That most companies aren't doing it well, right? And, and it's not necessarily your fault. It's just that. Data doesn't really belong to security people. Actually, it does. I shouldn't say it doesn't really. It doesn't belong to security people. It belongs to the, the business unit. So if you're a CFO, right, at the end of the day, you have to be aware of the data that you have because if you get asked for, well, what's the bottom line look like? What's the EBITDA? And you need to access data to give an answer for that. That's not security's job. The CFO needs to know where that that is security's job is obviously to protect it and make sure that that they go through the full CIA thing, right? Confidentiality, integrity, and availability. But but this is where I think data has had an issue. It's the technology does need to go through some evolution, but I think there needs to be a cold, hard recognition that data doesn't belong to security. It belongs to the BU holder in 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 my view. And so there's this this push and pull from those, mm -hmm. those groups. Anyway, I'm opening up a can of worms here right at the more, end. More, more great stuff. We could cover <laughs> another one. So, yeah, I yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, yeah, if, uh, what was that in Ron Burgundy when the Canadian news team shows up? Sorry. It's first oh, thing yeah. Else, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The good old Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah right. Oh, well, uh, this has been great. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, new book. Um, David Motti's doing cool things. Uh, if you don't know the guy, look him up. And uh, if you need something and then, you know need a connection, um, I'm glad to throw you in and, and line you guys up on the farm. So thanks, David, for chatting. Excellent, Chase. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Definitely love to have you on the Identity Podcast soon. And, and we'll definitely keep in touch. Say when. All right. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.